Hi, this is Ross Bain here with Royal Blaine Public Radio. This is RPPR episode 55, one for the record books. Wow, man, I was just watching your throat. It kind of bulge, it bulges out like a frog whenever you do that. Okay. Uh, I'm going to call you Frog Boy from now on. Uh, all right, Tom, I, uh, that, that's a, that's I a great nickname. I, yeah. After being the worst, I mean, I deserve it for being the worst GM in yeah, all of Yeah, pretty much. You're existence. a monster, Ross. I, I, I am a monster. Just I'm Frog out, Boy now. It just turns out it's a deep one. Imagine I'm that. I'm just going to get Bat Boy as a roommate, and we'll have a sitcom, and then he'll get hooked on drugs and scream at the producers. And uh, All right. I don't know where you're taking this. This is just going... He's making a Charlie Sheen joke, but, no, you know, well, you, you know winning, not. you know, because he's full yes, t- yes, Tiger yes. blood. So it'd be Charlie Sheen and uh, Bat Boy, but... Uh, uh-huh. Anyways. How about we move on? Okay. <laughs> We're just a uh, barrel We're high of on life. monkeys today. Um, yeah, we've, uh, in news for RPPR, we uh, just went to Fear the Count 2011 up in St. Louis with the Fear the Boot people, and uh, we had a great time. I Went ran... slightly better than last year. Yeah, getting used to it, and didn't rain quite as much up there for some reason. Rain one night. Yeah, one night. Uh, but then we actually saw the sun, which was... Uh, in St. Louis. In St. Louis. Uh, unusual, yes. uh, to say the least. St. Louis is a lot like Ravenloft, you know? Uh, uh, <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I'll go with that. I, I don't know enough about St. Louis to... Uh, Neither do uh, I. I'm, not, I'm making a broad general statement yeah, that I, I don't really have to prove with facts. I, I heard uh, natives of St. Louis have to go through a ritual to prove their adulthood. They either have to kill a wolf or knit a quilt, depending on which gender. Strangely, the women have to kill the wolves. Uh, See? We're, no we're, facts. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, we uh, I ran three games there. I ran a game of Road Trip, including for the host... Uh, one of the Fear of the Boot hosts, uh, Chad, uh, and I'll be putting that up on the AP site pretty shortly. Uh, and then I ran two games of Wild Talents. I've been running it since January, so I've gotten very used to it. I ran a Marvel zombie kind of game. I where, was in one of them. Yeah. Uh, normal people with one superpower each uh, versus a world full of zombies and zombified superheroes. And I know what you're thinking. Ross, zombies. How could that possibly go together? I know. It's only like I've just written a book about it, and I'm trying to... Oh, God. To... Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that actually right now. Uh, Zombies <laughs> of the World uh, will be out uh, in June. Uh, it's a 112 pages, full-color, glossy book. It's uh, beautiful at the guy. i got to look through zombies. it. It is. And uh, if you go to zombiesoftheworld.com, you can see that. Uh, pre-order. Uh, the reason I'm bringing it out is because pre-orders are now available. If you pre-order it now for $20, you get free shipping and a free survivor safety poster, which shows you that the greatest threaten a zombie attack our survivors our survivors other people not zombies um, because of anything zombie literatures and movies have taught us that people are the greatest danger so not zombies yeah. I mean zombies are dangerous but it's people that fuck things well, up well zombies are predictable yeah exactly they you well depending on what species you know there's there's over 20 yeah. species well, but you can really say they want to eat part of you yeah, exactly. So, um, anyway, uh, we'll, we'll get into a little more about, uh, in the anecdotes, talking about our experiences at Fear the Con. Uh, but yeah, it was a great time, and uh, we'll probably be back there next year. I mean, can't I think predict. so. Well, we keep getting uh, invited, so. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, uh, this episode, Wonder for the Record Books, uh, we're talking about big events. We're talking about, you know, the big. Uh, not the day to, you know, the average session, but the, the big events in a campaign. The things you lead up to. Yeah, the lead up to the, either the, the act breaks, the, the, the finales, the end, the boss fights, uh, whatever you want to call the, them. Oh my fucking God. Moments. Yeah. The, uh, the, oh, the semester's ending and we're all moving away. So we need to wrap this shit up, uh, <laughs> type, uh, events, um. You know, we've been actually since January. We uh, the RPPR crew has been playing a new campaign, the Heroes of New Arcadia, wild talent superhero game, kind of a street level 
Spider-Man level kind yeah. of campaign. Where, big fun. Yeah, big A lot of fun. We've had uh, uh, a lot of players in it. Um, in fact, and so many players, we had to kind of break the game up. And to break the game up, you can't really do Wild Talents with six players at the table at all at once, usually. Um, but anyways, uh, uh, there was a villain, uh, a group of supervillains called the Syndicate. And the players have been, you know, foiling their plans and uh, uh, beating up their bad guys and their, you know, and killing their dudes. Yeah, it um, turns out we were getting too successful at it. Yeah. So, basically, the, uh, the Syndicate gave them a deal saying, uh, just give us time to yeah. pull... Oh, wait. Pull everything it wasn't out. even really an yeah. ultimatum. It was yeah. just like, let us let us leave, take our shit, and we'll get out of your city. We'll never attack you again. Uh, everything will be uh, just super. And the players are like, no. Well, not- I I did. Yeah, uh, but I realized. Yeah. But every other player in the group, for the most part, yeah, they all wanted to fight. Uh, they big all da- wa- the big damn heroes. Big damn heroes. Uh, so they got together and they did found out where the supervillain's base was, and they just which was a particle collider. Uh, it had been built around the city. It was you used to be a superhero uh, research lab, but uh, the the bad guys took it over, and so they they decided to raid it and attack and have a fight to the finish. And they, of course they recruited and that they did and that they did. Um, they recruited five NPC allies. There were five of them uh, that went in there, and they were facing down seven supervillains. And they were all 250 to 300 point characters in Wild Talents. And I don't know if you've played much, wild, you know, Wild Talents very much, or those of you out there listening. Um, you know, with one or two characters, Wild Talents combat can be pretty fast, and it's very lethal. It's a very gritty system. Hit locations, uh, only you take a few points of damage to the yeah. head, you're either knocked out. A or single dead. good hit, and you're gone. Yeah. So. But in uh, this fight, with 17 characters all declaring actions and then rolling dice to resolve them, took a little longer to resolve. Uh, yeah, so, I'd like to reiterate, I was not in this fight. Well, yeah, you were not in the fight, but um, it took, t- took us two sessions to complete, probably around four to five hours altogether of game time to just get through the fight. And uh, by the end, uh, you know, uh, we posted the results on the forum. Uh, two player characters were killed, four NPC allies were killed, and five of the supervillains were killed. Uh, the other two just ran away, you know. So the players won at a great cost. But it wasn't quite a, uh, you know, it wasn't quite a pyrrhic victory. But yeah, it was. It, it wasn't quite pyrrhic, but yeah, it was a very at a great cost. Um, so yeah, it was a great event. Yeah. Everybody had a great time with yeah. it. Everybody. Uh, I mean, I was there at the end, and I will say it. Yeah, kind of a sobering end to it, actually. Yeah. Well, I mean, you were at the end in the sense that you were there. I showed to, up. Yeah, to watch, basically, to listen in. Um, you didn't actually fight in it. No. No. But I was just, I was a witness. I wanted to witness the end of it. I yeah. Was, and I was fortunate that I got to, I think. Yeah. So we, uh, so that was sort of our recent big event. Now, of course, we've done them in the past. On the New World campaign, uh, we've uh, yeah. had one at the end of each tier of the campaign, the heroic um, Heroic, you know, Paragon, Paragon, and, and then of course Epic, which you know is the end of the campaign. But we and we haven't posted that yet. But that was sufficiently epic. I think everybody agreed. Um, so there's we every once in a while we ate our PPR in our longer campaigns do these longer events to sort of break up the 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 rhythm the the you know so the, everybody every session isn't just the same old have one fight do some talking and then go home you know we want want to uh, break out of the routine every once in a while so um the session this whole episode is about how to do that so um, you know, you, you, you talked about, uh, you mentioned that you've done some for your own group too. You know, you yeah. mentioned the gargoyles, my campaign. gargoyles campaign. Yeah. The two and a half year campaign I did. And, uh, actually broken up. Like there was basically 
three parts of it, each one broken up by a really huge event. Yeah. I mean, and I really think the first huge event was the most successful. Because that right. one, that it took place in the lowermost region of hell. And uh, it, would, it took place essentially on a large balcony that overlooked Oblivion itself. <laughs> All right. Fun stuff. So um, it, was, and it was essentially against uh, a few fallen angels, demons. All right. And things like that. And it also, it, so it was, so it's essentially like Lucifer was among them. <laughs> Among them, he was just. But like, yeah, this is I, I like this more the fallen angel, not the I'm the Lord of Hell. Lucifer. Right, the Vertigo comic character. Yeah. Well, I, I haven't read that. It was. Well, have you read Sandman? No. Okay. But uh, yeah, and also there was there's the fact that uh, someone could easily have been. Thr- I I ru- I had it, so I had this all set up. I I mostly stat them out. Some of these, yeah, I had to stat out Lucifer in in World of Darkness. <laughs> that was amusing. Give him five dots in everything. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Game over. Yeah, or time. Yeah, character generation over. Yeah. And um, but the yeah, <clears throat> but the I think the greatest thing I did was there was a ever, very real possibility that anyone with a successful you know brawling check could be thrown over the balcony into oblivion. I say, and if that happens, you're gone. Soul gone. You like everything that was you is vaporized. Nice. No coming back. All right. Uh, and this was the first big sphere event. of annihilation, basically. Well, it's oblivion. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so there was fun fact. A lot of the you know the the players in it tried to kept trying to make throwing checks with all the villains too. Yeah. <laughs> so oblivion became one of the biggest weapons in the whole fight. I gotcha. Cool. Um. All right. So we'll get we'll we'll uh, get more into that in in a little bit. But let's um. So we've gotten in giving you the idea of what a big event is, you know, uh, the boss fight, the dramatic conclusion. Um, it doesn't have to be a fight, you know. We have to I say mean, like, normally it is, but know, uh, you know, the New World campaign. I don't want to spoil, it, but that wasn't exactly that wasn't a fight. The end no, of the it campaign, wasn't. Yeah, it was a very dramatic uh, event, though. So um, you know, you could uh, actually there's an Iron Heroes campaign where the the campaign ended with a city that went into a rebellion, a revolt. And so there was a lot of violence, but the players weren't just hacking and slashing at enemies. They were more like, oh, what do we do? We rally the people. We uh, try and save each other. Big uh, damn heroes. Yeah, exactly. Well, the, the the Iron Heroes campaign was very much sword and sorcery, very Conan, where the characters weren't really good or evil. They are like, I want to do what I want to do. Fuck everybody else, you know? Uh, you know, like an average D&D game. Or like the New World campaign a little Actually, bit. like most role-playing groups. Yeah. Now that I think so, of it, yeah. So the question is, you know, uh, so there are a lot of questions on, you know, if this sounds like something you want to do, first you have to figure out when you want to do it. When is an appropriate time to add a big damn event uh, in your campaign? And so there, 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 there are two sort of times you think it is. One is when it grows organic, totally from the story just of the campaign. You just come to a point where you realize that yeah, shit's going to go down. Uh, holy and, shit, this, it's about to get real right, right now. Uh, the Most are, of our examples are kind of like that, or, or the, our personal experience. Um, you know, the Wild Talents campaign, the players chose to take down the supervillain syndicate. Yeah, we did have a choice not to. Yeah, they could have said. just retreated, but they're like, no, they're evil. We must stop them, no matter what. And so they're like, okay. no compromise. Yeah, yeah basically. Um, and so, and that's perfectly valid. I mean, that's that's obviously when it when it happens in your campaign, it makes sense. Go for it. Um, yeah. Don't force it. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't try and set things up so that you you know, like ah, now you have to fight yeah. an epic boss, you know, and blah blah blah. Uh, like, I would actually say if you're if your group's into this campaign and they're part of it and they're you know invested in it, you'll know when it's time. Yeah, I, everyone will know. Yeah, it's it's not going to sneak up. You're going to realize. 
probably three or more sessions or so where shit's yeah. going to end one way or another. Right. You know, especially if they like uh, in a, in a campaign with a long lasting villain, the players really hate and they have finally have a chance to take the villain down. They're like, ah, we must do this. So like, all right. Um, but there, there, there's actually another, there's another category or time to pick a big damn event. And that would be metagaming reasons. Now the biggest one is obviously if you're a college student, you're a high school student or whatever, the semester's about to end and everybody's gonna go away for the summer, go away mm. uh, for break. Um, and you wanna wrap up the campaign before, you don't wanna like leave the campaign hanging. Yeah, I've a three month cliffhanger sucks. Yeah. In fact, I would definitely say, I don't think you can recover yeah, from no. a three-month uh, uh, cliffhanger. Or one of the players is going to move away, or one of the players is going to you know, have a baby and basically move away. <laughs> Which I call, you know, you're, you're, you're going against your gaming group for a kid. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. That is just... How selfish. That's unprofessional. That's it what is. that is. That's a, just selfish. Um, or, you know, any whatever reason. If there's a good metagame reason that you feel like... Uh, or you, or know, you, you want to change campaigns, you know, uh, or uh, or uh, like say uh, something like D and D Fourth Ed's about to come out, right. and all your players are like, "We must play this as soon as it comes out." Like, I'm not done. Uh, well, I guess I'm done with this campaign now. Right? You know, actually, um, before Third Ed came out, uh, one of the last, uh, the last, I think, uh, official D and D module came out was called the Apocalypse Stone. Did you see this? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was specifically meant to end campaigns. It's like, this is an artifact that's going to wipe out the world. You guys have one last chance to be big damn heroes and save the world. And uh, I read through it. It's kind of a weird uh, module, but it, it's kind of a good way to, you know, it ends things with a bang. I think there's Sphere of Annihilations, Vecna, and all kinds of craziness show up. So. Oh, Vecna. So, yeah, I would, um, I would definitely... Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of different reasons outside of the game itself, not out of the plot that you would want to have a, you know, big damn event. And of course, you know, we're, we're talking about ending the campaign. Big damn events don't have to be the end of no, the campaign like, itself. As I said, my Gargoyles campaign went on for three, you know, like months, like years after that first right. big event. Right. But it's kind of like, you think of it as like at least the season an, ender, a season finale, an act break. Uh, you know, ch- you know, when, right before you're about to switch discs in a game, <laughs> um, Something right like that. You, right, but you need to take a piss. Right. And... The, the last issue of a trade paperback, you know, um, ending yeah. a story arc at least. So uh, there, there are a lot. So those are the good reasons to do it. When it's not, there are times when not to do that. Now that's like if you're into the middle of things, you're just sort of the average campaign, and you're throwing one in for no like reason that the players yeah, c- can figure. It comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Like, like all right, uh, all right, so you're in the middle of this dungeon crawl. All right, we just killed the goblin chieftain. All right. Uh, we go to the next room. Ah, there is the seven-faced god of chaos. You must defeat each of the seven faces and the platforms of doom. Like and- the, the, the first shall be Ugoth, look, devourer of souls. Yes, and you're like, uh, like dude, what? Yeah, it's like, no, it's no, you guys, it's, it's like, like we're, Final we're, Fantasy 2, like, Super Nintendo. No. It's like you have to face multiple versions of the same boss and Kefka. And- we're just trying to rescue the town, the mayor's daughter here. What yeah. the hell? <laughs> it's like, well, guess who kidnapped her? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that, that's a bad reason, you know, um, so keep that in mind. So once you figure out when you want to do that, uh, then you have to start setting it up. Now, uh, before you even start thinking about the design or what the event's going to be like or anything, first you're going to have to, well, I mean, you have to figure out in general what it's going to be like, uh, and then start talking about it with your players. You know, in the wild talent sessions, it was pretty obvious. The players wanted to go fucking take these guys out, take the syndicate out. And they were going to... They're calling themselves the syndicate, for God's sake, Ross. What are we supposed to do? Let them crawl away and do something else. 
and exactly as I suggested. Yeah. Well, but I had a feeling that I would be the only one with that opinion. <laughs> <laughs> and you were so right, Tom. Uh, you were so right. So with that, you know, you kind of talk about the, the events like the Gargoyles campaign. Like, what kind of talking did you do with your players? Actually, I did let them know, like, because I, once again, we, we all sensed that, you know, sufficient parts of the story were uncovered, information was obtained, and that we're like, okay, this is the thing. I, at one point, I said, before, before we started a session, I, I looked at him, this thing's about to come to a head soon, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Um, well, then, if we're going like, to do this, uh, here's, how it's, here's what's going to go down. Right. And we, we talked about it before then, then we just kept playing. But we didn't specifically steer it toward it. We said, no, the game will keep going as it has been. Right. But as we knew, it, we sensed three or four sessions from now would be a major endgame. Okay. Because at this point, you knew your group. You knew how much plot you could get through in an average game mm-hmm. night. So you knew, like, okay, if they're at this point, it would take them this session to do this, this session to do this. And then, oh, then they're at the, you know, the pit edge of the oblivion or whatever. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, with yeah, that, like, like so- the Watt Towns group, you know, I gave them a choice. I didn't even know that they would take it. And, um, I mean, to be fair, I kind of discouraged it a little bit. I mean, I said that was an option, but, like... Well, you gave us a lot of, uh, but here's what could happen. Yeah. You know, first of all, you could all get, well, you could all get killed. Yeah. Every last one of you. Yeah. And, or a whole lot of civilians are going to get killed. Right. Uh, yeah, and th- this is true. Uh, Which is actually, that is, by the way, in, in character, the reason I didn't want to do it. Right. Because I knew that a lot of people are going to get hurt if this goes down. Right, because of the, uh, the the threat they used against mm-hmm. you. Um, so that, that that is one, uh, so... W- Whenever you guys figure out that you want to do this, you know, talk about it with your players, figure out, you know, let them know in advance that this is going to go down so they have time to sort of psych themselves up for it. I mean, players will get, like, they're really, like, especially with the Walt Houts, they came in early, they talked the hell out of strategy. Yeah, we, uh, yeah, especially this group, we planned this shit out. Yeah, Caleb. As players, particularly. Yeah, if you look on our forums, uh, the thread for this, uh, Caleb put on detailed posts of, like, this is what we need to do here. Since we stopped, like, in the middle of combat and had a few days to come back, you know, like, all right, this guy's going to do this, this guy should do this. And he was, you know, uh, freaking Patton over there, you know, discussing what what should be done. Um, And with us, uh, uh, so, yeah, let the players know, let them, you know, have, because once they build it up in their own heads, they'll be more excited about it. It'll be more uh, more memorable. Anticipation is a very valuable tool. Yeah, exactly. So... And then you kind of have to sort of uh, so so that's how you, you set up with the players, and then you have to start figuring out how you're going to set it up yourself in terms of designing it. Because a big event isn't a big event unless it, it it's different from the average game. So you can't just do a typical adventure because otherwise, what's the point? You have to do something different. Yeah. You have to bring more to the table than just what you're usually doing, which means more work on your end. Uh, but you know because the, there's a greater payoff. Um, I mean, that, that's just kind of how I feel about it. So I felt like... Yeah, so I noticed you, uh, first of all, I noticed that like you like you had the map of the battlefield all set up. Yeah. I brought out, I broke out the miniatures. Yeah. I broke out and we, uh, like, some terrain. And we did. We never did that yeah. in, the, in the rest of the fights. Right, in the Wild Talents, no. Like in D&D, that's a typical thing, you know, fourth which I did a lot. But like in the Wild Talents, I just did it. The, typically, the fights were like one-on-one or a few And besides, few. I'd say, it's, and especially with superhero games, as quickly and different movements as people can do, yeah. often a map is kind of useless. 
Right, exactly. There's no tactical superhero game uh, I'm aware of in the tabletop game. I mean, people will probably, oh, champions, blah, 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 champions. Or yeah, I, uh, like, I beg to differ I'm on not that. that good at math, so. Yeah, I got better things to do, like, you know, like. Uh, if like, I want a bulletproof vest, I'll buy champions and strap it to my chest, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, because, uh, yeah, I admit, yeah, I said. it's I, a very thick Yes, book. I, uh, I own the book. You own champions? Yeah. Why do you own champions? Because I got a deal on it, and I wanted to check it out. Okay. And then I discovered, wow, I don't have an honors math calculator to do this shit. <laughs> um, not that I'm not that I'm speaking ill of champions, yes. but dude, not that there's you, anything wrong with that, dude. You got to admit, yeah, that's a lot in math. Yeah, it is. Uh, so, you know, for for me, not only did I do that, I statted out every NPC in that battle. Uh, to a much higher level than I usually do. Like, usually with the Wild Talents games, I didn't stat out every single skill. I didn't figure out their point cost. I said, oh, well, this guy has 10D in this power, and that's mm. that. You know? With this, I did, and I figure out every single one. I print out everyone on a separate character sheet so that I could try, uh, keep track of their damage and all this hey, other stuff. You remember that old thing, you know, list of, uh, like, the top rules for role-playing? Yeah. One was, uh, if your GM creates a character sheet for the villain, you're not going to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> well, that certainly wasn't true in this case. No, they, but... Yeah, it's... They killed the fuck out of him, so... Uh... Well, you know, back when I used to play Palladium, usually if I made a villain with a full character sheet... That guy's not dying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, because I, I invested a lot of my life in that. Game. I did. I didn't make them um, pretty uh, uh, hardcore. I mean, I, they did. They did kill players. So, um, I think. But that's. But and I think it's a big fight. You know, I think you have. Yeah, you have to. One thing you have to, you have to up the ante in is lethality. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Any uh, even for a fight. Yeah, yeah. For, for for a fight. In any, you know, really, uh, like most of the fights we did, there was always the chance. Remote. Right. It was remote, but there was always a chance some guy with a with a deagle could get a uh, cr- you know perfect shot on a headshot and kill us. Yeah, which you know like you know, we're like oh that wow that kind of sucks to go out that way. Are you talking about the wild talents? Yeah, wild you, talents. Well, wild talents though you have willpower to uh, mitigate. Right. but uh, I'm saying like, it could still happen. Yeah, but in this one it was pretty much you said no. I'd be surprised if no one got killed. Yeah. You actually said that. Yeah, no. I, and I, I saw the look of mayhem you had on your face at that point, Ross. I was totally blank, neutral expression. I was not at all. I've, I can read your eyes, Ross. <laughs> and you have crazy eyes when you Honestly, do that. Honestly, Caleb was so convinced they were all going to die that... Uh, you did. I think you had him a little psyched. Yeah. Uh, he was really... No, I mean, he was like so convinced they were all going to die. And he was just so sorry. Like, oh, my God, it's going to be a TPK. <laughs> And, uh, so what you're saying? He was already like writing a letter from the Civil War. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> to uh, his, you know, to his. We shall not survive the morn with a charge. Uh, says, but we shall fight as men as with honor and courage that is due of all men. And they're all they're yeah. all like, dude, we're totally gonna live. Well, I think in general, though, uh, I think one big big thing is, is sort of a more general version of that. What you just said, uh, raise the stakes to the highest level possible, which means you know if it's a fight, like, yeah, make it like, as also, lethal as Ter- you know, huge risk for huge reward. Right. Um, but, like, even if it isn't a fight, you know, like, it's say it's, uh, you know, the final negotiation between the two kingdoms, and this will mean war or peace. Yeah. Or if you have to disarm a nuclear bomb yeah. or whatever, you know. Or, or like, a trial. This, yeah. Uh, or this is going to mean if the supervillain wins, become, is elected president, or, you know, is uh, uh, going to be thrown in jail for treason or something like that. You have to raise the stakes to the highest logical level. You know, or like, does the bomb d- like? Do you just successfully find the bomb on the Hindenburg before it goes up? There you go. Yeah, I actually like... did a game on that. Okay, nice. We we didn't. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, the humanity. Uh, no, I, uh, a couple of us lived. Okay, well, the NPCs certainly didn't. 
Oh well, no, no, yeah. no they're gone. <laughs> yeah, dead. burned quite, like quite, burned alive. Quite, quite dead. That was quite horrific. Um, so you need to raise the stakes to the highest levels possible. That makes sense in your campaign. You know, if you're running tune, obviously you don't want blood and guts. You know, like everybody dies or whatever. But you know, well, I mean, everyone gets black into a cinder with eyes blinking. You know, well, I mean, you could have it still like it's a depressing end. It's like the brave little toaster or something like that, where the like toaster what, dies. What about maybe. Twilight of the Cockroaches? Twi- Twilight of the Cockroaches, something like that, or it could be. Uh, um, even, you know, you, well, there are a lot of, or uh, if it's Roger Rabbit, you know, Drudge Dread wins, or Drudge uh, Doom wins. Or if, uh, even if he doesn't win, like, that that dip cannon gets a little bit closer to them, and yeah. they well, I mean, well, they suffer injury. Right, they suffer injury, or but they've lost their rights, they've lost their Toontown, or whatever. Or, no, the will was lost. Yeah, the will was lost, so... Um, that, so that, pretty, oh god, that's, that'd be like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Dirty World. Yeah, exactly, or... Um, uh, the Frank Miller presents, <laughs> you know. Uh, well, insert, in that case, Jessica Rabbit would be a whore. Yeah, exactly. Uh, just and Eddie Valiant would not just make be endless a, jokes. And here. Eddie Valiant would not just be an alcoholic. Yeah, he'd be a drug dealer with Nazi <laughs> tattoos on his forehead <laughs> and all this other stuff. Because the joke is Frank Miller is ridiculous. Uh, so, but so you need to raise the stakes to whatever the logical level would make sense in your campaign. Um, for example, you know, the civilian campaign. Actually, uh, I have another example of the World War II civilian campaign uh, mm. we played in. The last session was, do we get away from the Nazis or not? You know, like all this time we've been hiding down in uh, Amsterdam trying to not die and uh, all this other stuff and scraping by. And then finally we had a chance to flee uh, before the Nazis came in and liquidated everybody. And so, uh, you know, like, oh, do you make it or not? And so I, I made it. You know, I, I barely managed to get to England by the skin of my teeth. And uh, the other players did, too. But, like, one was horribly scarred as the train he was on was hit by uh, aircraft and a bullet seared his cheek or something like that or a bit of shrapnel did. And uh, so that that would be the, 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 mm. the, the appropriate finale event. Um, so try and uh, 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 think about that now. The other thing, aside from raising the stakes that a big event really needs, I think, is new, unique rules. Now, rules aren't necessarily like, you know, you're changing the entire game system, but like adding specific victory conditions, modifiers, or... Environmental um, effects. Environmental effects. Uh, For example, I gave the players a large number of NPC allies. I introduced new rules to say what they would or wouldn't do. Like, the players could usually call the shots for them, but if they got too injured or something like, like that, I'd take it's them. It's like, quick, step in, front of that, step in front of that Thompson. Yeah, they, they wouldn't gun. do that. Like, one of them, actually, in the fight did. One of the uh, the NPC allies got heavily injured from several tags. So I said, no, he's going to run under, run under cover and apply first aid to himself for several rounds. Also, his two friends just got killed, too. So he's not going to be too enthusiastic about jumping out mm-hmm. in the middle of the room and getting attacked from all sides um so there's that uh um then you know your gargoyles campaign you introduced the oblivion which is a big big whoa holy shit so the whole battle became not who can do deal the most damage who can get the most successes throwing people you know in martial arts you know and it's worth and especially with in in a fight full of winged creatures Right, yeah. So, yeah, they, they, was it like a black hole? Was there like an event horizon at the point where like it didn't matter how fast you could fly? You're it was, just... was kind of like it was like a uh, it was like a black hole just just leading down. Oh, okay, did it like suck people in? So was it gradually pulling people in? Yeah, it, it did. It gradually pulled them in, but and um, I mean, especially and there's what like tendrils. Like Oblivion reaches up for you in that. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's not just a but yeah. Well, actually, once you get past a certain point, if you're like if you can stand on the balcony and look over, and it's 
not yeah. going to do anything. But if you go over the balcony All and right. drop a certain distance, yes, it's it's like it's as oh like oblivion hungers for you. <laughs> um, I'm surprised it do, does anything. It's oblivion. It shouldn't want to do anything. Uh, no, well, oblivion hungers. I see. It uh, wants to fill itself up with something it can never have. Oh, poor oblivion. I know. Uh, so. Um, other things in the uh, there's an epic D and D campaign where the players fought a uh, city full of mind flayers. I was in that fight. Yeah, another and, two session fight. Right, and in that one, I had rules for like the morale of the mind flayer and for your own army, and like your army is gradually marching through the city. So there's kind of like a battle front line, and the players' individual actions could push the front line back or you know forward or back depending on what, what happened, and I don't remember all the specific rules, but I came up with unique rules for that battle, because it was a big, you know, fucking epic battle. It was huge. As it, as it should have been. Yeah. Um, so, again, New World campaign. I don't want to spoil it, but we did, I did come up with new rules, new specific victory conditions. And the, and the, epic, the epic ending was quite epic. I will yeah. just say that. So, uh, there are unique, there are unique uh, uh, events and rules for that. So, I think whatever your, your, your unique, uh, uh, whatever your big event is going to be, um, I think you should come up with something new, something unusual. You could take existing rules from that you just haven't been working with and apply them, or you can make up your own on the fly, or just extend them. Right. Um, I think, by the way, I think throwing a nanite swarm at us in the epic ending was really shitty, Ross. You shouldn't have done that. <laughs> yes. Yes, yeah, so are the uh, uh, having stardust from uh, flying. Now, that was, that was a, like, dude, that was just fucking stupid. <laughs> you, uh, you, you were doing that vindictively. And then have Harry Potter and uh, uh, those. Half of Harry Potter. Yeah, half of Harry Potter. It's like he was cut straight down the middle. Yeah. It, was, it was his left side. I know. Um, yeah. these may or may not be what happened in the New World You'll campaign. have to listen in to yes, find out. Yeah. Uh, we are on episode 39 now, so... Uh, out of how gonna... many was it? Not many. Well, not many more. I haven't, I haven't counted them all up like, yet. Cause I, don't I, have it, I don't have it permanently memorized in my head. I don't... I actually... I, I never bothered to count up how many more were left, because I'm... And less... that is why you're a monster, Ross. I am. I am a monster. Um, so, like, for example, you could... Just a, a few example uh, for... Uh, actually, a road trip, you know, you are... Like, for example, a road trip... There's the Area 51 finale, and I presented several options in there. One of them was, like, fighting a uh, battle with the Ur-Monster, you know, this Cthulhu-esque Lovecraftian monster, um, either as a standard fight or, like, make it a gigantic monster and uh, you know versus all the smaller monsters. I have rules that will allow the player's monsters to become giant monsters as well, so you have this big mm. battle of the kaiju, you know. Uh, yeah. work out or just like in any campaign you have the the infight be against a gigantic mo- gigantic monster to where have several linked fights where you're fighting you know first the the tentacles and that's treated as like three then the gaping normal. maw then the gaping maw then the and head. you have to but and once you beat the maw you have to jump down the gaping maw to get to its insides yeah to get to its brain or its heart or yeah there you go uh get all contra in it um so that that's just one idea um another thing is you know multiple actions at the same time so you get the the group has to split up and do multiple things at the same time um they're 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 look at movie finales yeah. or uh, put a time limit on it yeah time Time limits. That's a good one. Was there? I assume there was one for the gargoyles. Uh, yeah, actually, it was the uh, the gateway that led out of hell was going to close. Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, actually, in this one, by the, I know this is compl- this is a little off topic, but yeah. I actually was describing this. I was describing this game on a uh, in a chat room I was on once. Yeah. And they were, and I was describing that my, uh, you know, my mythology in this one. There's heaven, hell, and fae. Yeah. 
and they don't oppose each other. They just represent different things. And hell is not evil. Right. Hell is darkness. Heaven's right. light, and then Fey is life. Mm-hmm. So uh, demons aren't necessarily evil. They're just they just serve the darks. You know darkness and i actually had some christian guy really get on me like says like so what you were saying that demons are the good guys i I didn't say that no i just said they're not evil like of course they are that's what demons do okay i'm talking about gargoyles the game here i don't know what you're talking talking, yes i'm sorry my fictional characters don't live up to your uh uh, theology that that's yeah interesting uh yeah that 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 did you're right it didn't have anything but I, i had to mention it okay well you didn't have to but I, I chose to. You chose to. Free will. Um, you know, one thing you could do is also, like, with the time limits, you could add new modifiers to, uh, like, environmental hazards. Say, like, round one, conditions are like this. Round two, shit gets more real. Like, as the gate closes, uh, the effects of hell intensify. Or, better yet, like, the ground uh, uh, underneath your feet that's protecting you from oblivion is crumbling away. Um, so players start to have to look for shelters. Like, actually, you know. I, I did a Star Wars game where I had yeah. something like that. Oh yeah, we were actually we were on a, a disabled interdictor ship, mm-hmm. and it was it was drifting towards the event horizon of a black hole. Yeah. So the gravitational effects start to affect affect the battle. So we were essentially uh, trying to get to the to the one operating shuttle that could go FTL to get us away from it. And each round, you know, he says, okay, after this certain point, each round, uh, the gravity is going to increase by a factor of one g. All right, so there you go, um, and that's pretty intense. <laughs> Until eventually it says, you know, you get to enough G, eventually that's going to be crush depth. Right. Um, so there you go. I mean, the, the key here is that you're doing things you don't normally do in the campaign. You're adding unique stuff that the players aren't used to, that it, it, it's a new thing, so they're like, oh, shit, things are even more real. This at- heightens the tension and heightens their a- anticipation of what, that's what's like going so, on. That's, that's something Lex Luthor times 10 would do. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so... Once you've designed it, um, you know, the design should be also be organic. It should be something, like we talked about, intrinsic to the campaign. It should, like, you shouldn't, like, if, you, you, if you've been fighting robots the entire campaign, you know. Don't suddenly example, bring in zombies. Right, unless they're robot zombies, you know. I, like, I saw the hesitation in that perspective. Like, you know, you can always bring zombies yeah, in. you always, always can, Tom. <laughs> you always can. Uh, but I was going to say dinosaurs, you know. Hey. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. Uh, Tom's like, oh, but you can always bring in dinosaurs. See? You see how that works, Tom? I, uh, that's why we work. Yes. Um, you know, also, like, uh, uh, make callbacks to existing campaign references, obviously. if you, Especially if you're ending campaign, bring in as many possible callbacks in as you can. Like, like hey, remember this guy? guy like, or like, remember this guy? Yeah, remember this guy. Have every ally come in to help them out. Have every, every enemy come in to, to fuck with them. Uh, especially enemies they all but forgotten about. Yeah. Trust me, I've, I've been in a few of these, and those are the ones that get the biggest reaction. Yeah. Like, especially if it's just one, like, especially that was early on, mm-hmm. that uh, just got away. They're all like, yeah, like, yeah you, you know, they're really cocky about it. Yeah. And then suddenly he shows up at the worst possible moment. There you go. Like, oh, like, those, I mean, I've actually seen people ignore the big threat. It's like, no, no, we got to kill that guy. Right. Um, so if you have like a campaign that also, you know, use your existing themes and bring them their, to their ultimate thing. Like if your campaign theme has been about liberation, you're liberating enslaved orc people from mind flayers. And that's been like your entire campaign. Don't make the fight suddenly, uh, about some sort of cosmic battle between war, you know, between angels and demons or something like that. Or like, uh, 
make it about political intrigue, you know, something like that. Like, um, don't suddenly change the themes of it, you right. know. Just like, are you a bad enough dude suddenly to rescue the president? Right. Well, like with the liberation campaign, you, you talk about free will, politics, government, corruption, justice, you know, that kind of thing. So don't suddenly make it, you know, uh, about religion or theology or suddenly make it about something that's totally unrelated to it, like a detective thing. Like, oh, in this, to so- to liberate all the Yurks, you have to find out who killed this uh, person. You know, like, what? And people are like, uh, uh, how does that work? It works. Yeah. Just because you want to run a murder mystery game doesn't mean the players want to. It doesn't make sense. So make it organic to the camp. Make all the make the the, the finale you know organic to the campaign itself. Like don't make it. Um, don't make the ending of a Phoenix Command game a uh, yeah <laughs> a, uh, mystery, a mystery. Right for your gargoyles game. Don't and also don't pull like a Matrix saying or like it was all a dream or uh, something. The Deus Ex Machina yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. In this case, if it's heaven and hell, like this, I could actually actually I could actually say. Don't have God yeah. come down to help out. Yeah, exactly. Or like in your Gargoyles game, what it really sucked is like, you know, the players have been... like One big thing that's usually common in RPGs is that the players have to do fucking everything. No one will help them. No one is no one is competent. No one can do anything. Players have to save the day time and time again. So don't like with your Gargoyles game. Suddenly, oh, well, the U.S. Uh, yeah. government has a special commando team trained in fighting mm-hmm. the paranormal. So Mulder and Scully and Fringe Division And show Gabriel. Up. The and Archangel Gabriel. Gabriel. Yeah. And they all show up and they fight this battle at the edge of oblivion. You don't have to do anything. You just sit back and watch, you know. See, see how cool that was. Yeah, or like, yeah, it's, it's actually the reason I stopped playing DC Universe Online. Oh yeah, because really, it's just you're doing you're doing errands for bigger villains or bigger heroes, and when they do show up, it's hey, look how powerful this guy is. Yeah, you know, like wow, I thought I was gonna actually get to contribute. Yeah. I'm just doing fetch missions for the Joker. Thank you. <laughs> wow. Even though crazy. my actual powers, I could crush him. Yeah. Like, oh, like, thank you, game. Well, he has the power of, you know... Crazy? Uh, uh, major intellectual property assets. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I did that game for a week. Yeah. And just, oh, this sucks. Yeah. Sounds like it. Um, so, the, the the final thing is, you know, running it. You know, when you... Well, not the final thing. But, you know, when you're actually running the game, what do you do? Uh, you know, for me, I try and keep, be strict, quick... And, consistent, yeah, consistent. You know, keeping things like the Wild Talents game. You know, I tried even with seventeen characters, and I had to rule on every single action. It was pretty complex at times, so I had to keep track of every rule. I would say be patient too. Yeah, be patient. Uh, but you know, tell the players too, everyone to be a little nicer than normal, especially if you're mm-hmm. like with me, like everybody shut the fuck up while I'm processing this stuff, or don't keep yelling at me. I'm going to do this, or I rolled this, or, or let's keep the tabletop uh, chatter yeah. to a minimum. Like, don't tell me your rolls until I ask you for them. You know, mm-hmm. like I don't care if you roll five tens until I call out with five initiatives. Shut mm-hmm. the fuck up. Um, so yeah, I mean, and, what, uh, what about you? I mean, when you're Actually, uh, one thing I've discerned that it's I just I've I've had it happen to me, and I've had tem- been tempted to do myself as a GM running it, is you might have like this huge grand vision of what you imagine this this ending with, you know, and or of what you expect it to go down. Because man, maybe you just saw Inception or something, and you say you've it's the it's got to be a building that's on its side and spinning or something. Yeah, yeah. Don't you know if your players are clearly not going to go for that. It's you know don't force them to do it. Right. Yeah, I think if you, the big event should be something that everyone has yeah. agreed to and wants to do. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. In my case, the lot the players fucking just mm-hmm. we're gonna be big damn heroes. We're gonna fight, and so I'm like, oh god damn it, I gotta set everything. Yeah, but <laughs> at the same token, also, and it can't be. It's like, but if they decide to actually do it, it's got to be in a, in a place and a setting and a time that makes sense. Yeah, you know, like I think, yeah, you know, if you had just suddenly said their base is a huge particle collider under the city. Yeah. Just so, what are you gonna do? Yeah. You know, if you had just said that right before the fight started, like. Where the fuck did this thing come from? <laughs> no, but you actually, you know, you... I mean, it was a couple of sessions before, but you finally said, you, like, their main base is this. We had time to look it up to prepare yeah. ourselves. Right. So, uh, you know, don't, you know, like, don't just assume that your brilliant idea is going to go, ex- going to be the do-all, end-all. Right. Um, yeah, be be uh, adaptable. Let let players adjust uh, their shit on the fly. Uh, or let, let be flexible. I mean, let let your, your plans sort of... Mesh and mutate to to fit what with the players. Yeah, it's, I, I'd say a big fight is particularly a is a particularly strong co- collaboration between you as the GM and the players. Right, that uh, they're into this as much as you are. Yeah, I mean, I got I loved it, the Wild Talents big fight because it was very tactical. I just hope I can and, be in the next one. <laughs> yeah, and well, you could have been there for the first time. Well, you chose not to go. I chose not to because it with it my didn't char- make sense. It with my char- sense with the character situation. Right. Um. So yeah, that's fine. Um. But yeah. Uh, and f- so, yeah, uh, one thing you can do, you know, we talked about being consistent and everything. You can do surprises. In fact, it should there should be a, a surprise or a twist or two um, when there's an actual well, fight. Yeah. yeah, but there's a difference between a surprise yeah. and bullshit. Right. Uh, in the Wild Talents fight, there was a surprise. Very there, there were a few surprises at the end of the fight, towards the end of the fight, but they were... They made sense. Like the players had clues that this was going to happen. They had hints that like this could happen. They knew that there was a bad guy that was on the ceiling, you know, sticking to the mm-hmm. ceiling, and uh, so the bad guy was throwing one, using one type of weapon from the ceiling the entire fight, but then used another type of weapon <laughs> towards yeah. the end of the fight. Actually, an example of how not to do this. I was, yeah. It was a uh, uh, it was a modern combat game. I think it was actually Palladium's Modern Combat, which you know, never mind. Ninjas and Super Spies or Recon? No, uh, Recon. Recon. And uh, we were like, I've never played Recon. I actually that, save, that, save save your money and your time. Actually, I've heard Recon has a different rule system than the Palladium games. Well, all I know is, it, I didn't enjoy it that that well. Okay, was it standard Palladium rules? Uh, the way the one we were playing it okay. might not have even been that. It might have just been. It was probably Ninjas and Super Spies, or yeah, I can't. Was, I wasn't running it. Okay. Anyways, go and on. Uh, but anyway, yeah, we were um, we were like we were in a, we were in a running uh like we were running a running escape as the big you know, the end big end part, mm-hmm. and uh we. There was there was a, there was a, uh, you know an enemy force ch- you know chasing us not you know like a, like a couple of tanks yeah so essentially we had to survive and get to our rendezvous point and then like at the last moment you know like we're like fighting like you know, we're like we're wounded you know we're down to hit points we've lost all SDC yeah and the GM the GM has a squadron of A10 Thunderbolts fly overhead and start bo- and then start bombing us bombing you okay yeah. Which, okay, we I knew we were attacked by force, but first of all, this was a um, this was a Russian force using A ten Thunderbolts. Yeah, that's like makes no sense whatsoever. And uh, also, we were like we were you know we we knew like part of our briefing was we were hundreds of miles from the nearest Soviet airbase. So uh, wow. when that happened, like what? Yeah, it's it brought the game to a crashing halt. But, but he uh, was this a con game or is this? A... No, this was a uh, this was one of our uh, high school games. Oh wow, okay. But yeah, it's but it, it reminds me like we're like whoa, whoa, yeah. I mean, first of all, 
we what the fuck? Uh, first of all, what the fuck? Second of all, how, why do our Soviets using American planes? And third of all, what the fuck? And third, actually, third of all, how are we supposed to survive this? Yeah. And he says, "Oh, there's a way you can do it." Like, how? We are down to like we're down. So like we're down to two magazines a piece. Yeah. We don't have any stingers or anything. Yeah. And you're dropping anti-tank ordnance on us. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and like we're we're battered. Like, and he says like, and finally it was like, uh, like it says you like, so what do you do? He keeps saying, what do you do? Like, and of course we all do the thing we time out because we, yeah. none of us can think of what the fuck to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he says, oh well, and they hear they do their rolls. Oh. Well, uh, you all take, and then the rolling yeah. of many D10s started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we finally, we just say, we all like, you know, fuck this. Yeah. You're like, dude, and he says, well, it's not my fault you didn't figure it out. What was it? Did he say? He says, no, he didn't tell us. What? I'm starting to suspect, I don't think he knew. Yeah, that's, uh, wow. That's, 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 that's just bad. Yeah, I mean, it was, kind of, it was kind of a really good, you know, ending, you know, big final fight right. until that happened. Right. Um, so yeah, there you go. That's how a uh, finale, a big event, can be ruined by one unfair surprise. So, I mean, if it had been like hinted, like the Soviets captured A ten Thunderbolts, you know, like two sessions mm-hmm. earlier, like they've reverse engineered the Thunderbolt, and blah 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 Which, blah blah. But still, would make no sense. You know, like Soviet fighter bombers are pretty damn good, right? Well, or they captured them and they were just using them, mm-hmm. you know, or you know, something like that. Or like they were American double crossers, you know, that were mm-hmm. using them, you know, they the, the pilots had turned commie. Now, I mean, know? it might have been a little bit of a deus ex machina if they started bombing the enemy and yeah. that saved us. Yeah. You know, which I would admit, okay. Unless, I, unless you had taken the mission like, oh, and, well, unless, you can and, keep running or you can stop and use the radio and call for backup, you know. Yeah, it was like we... Now, if he had actually done that, and I were using it, and we finally get a hold of our, you know our team, like we're yeah. under heavy fire, we need immediate evac, yeah. and you know we start to give out our position, and we suddenly the radio gets hit, and we don't know if they got our message or not, right? And then they come in and do that. Yeah. That's that'd be one, that'd be actually kind of an awesome ending. That would be, and uh, but yeah, that that's that you see, you could have a great event up until one bad thing, and then. And just over, yeah. It's just oh my god, that's terrible. But again, I, I actually wanted. I thought about it now that I just yeah. I remembered. Like man, I wouldn't know what Ross would have done if he was playing yeah. in that game. Um, uh, I think I probably would have like torn my character sheet up and never run played in a game that the guy run again. Well, that's yeah. We, we pretty did, much what you did. Pretty much what we did. Yeah. <laughs> Good job. Um. So yeah. So that that kind of gives you an idea of what to do when you're running a game or running a big event. Um. And then of course once you finish it, then you have to think about moving on. You know, do you continue? Yeah. The, I mean, these big events aren't necessarily the end of the campaign. They, no, they're but, just the end but of the story I, arc. But I say uh, if they're not. They've, I mean, they've got to have relevance to when you continue. Like, it's got to right. be like it's shaped everything that's now going to start. Right, happening. huge XP awards, huge rewards in the game. Uh, you know, the Wild Talents campaign will definitely uh, shape the, the 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 next tier, the next story and our, arc, like, and our reputations. Right. And- um. So yeah, the, the the there will be a lot of effects. You just kind of have to ha- have to plan it out. If it's the end of the campaign, then of course you need to do epilogues about what happens to the characters. Otherwise, I mean, otherwise you're just a bad GM. I mean, yeah, a lot of players have some say into it too. Like, oh, uh, you go off and make you 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 start a bakery and you become a baker. What? I'm a level twenty fifth fighter. I'm a warlord. No, you're a baker now. <laughs> you bake. 
<laughs> like you bake dog yeah bark like a dog because you're a dog that bakes <laughs> um so you can do that yeah. i mean that, that's yeah. not you know uh, actually another uh, actually a good high school game i was in yeah we did a, it was a, it was only like a month-long campaign but we played like pretty pretty regularly so and we got to we got to the end of it and then he actually had his role play out a scene that took place 20 years later yeah. as our characters 20 years from then oh see that's a great yeah that's a great epilogue that's, that's yeah you know, yeah, it, that works for like, really uh, well. It was us. It was us. It was a. Uh, it was actually a Heroes Unlimited game. Yeah. So Palladium. You know, yeah, yeah. Back when we thought it was cool. Yeah. <laughs> I but, liked how the Fear the Booth, the live recording, they were asked, "What's their? What's the game they hate the most?" They most pretty much all said riffs. You know. Mm. So. And uh, actually, the re- okay, a funny fact, it was exactly the same reason given. Yeah. Even the guy, yeah, is all this. We love the setting. The setting is awesome. Yeah. But the system is just horrible it is we're still gonna play riffs though oh yeah we have to yeah eliminators but uh anyway, anyway. <laughs> but yeah and yeah I th- that was awesome like wow and because we have to think of ourselves 20 years from now yeah and that, you know that that was actually kind of cool yeah no it sounds that's a great way of doing that i mean if in wild towns i might do that if there will be 20 years after the campaign ends mm. <laughs> what could happen oh my god I know. So, um, yeah, so that, that that kind of gives you an idea of, like, what uh, to think about when setting up, running, and concluding an event. It's a, it's a big thing, but every once in a while, I think, you know, your your tabletop game needs a big event, you know, to, to have the memories, the, the legends. Yeah. Um, so these games can get start to get stale. Yeah, if you're doing the same thing every week, you know, a dungeon crawl. Or, you know, even the New World campaign, you have all these shenanigans and mm-hmm. a fight and all this other stuff. You know, you kind of need to break it up uh, while talents... Or shake it up. Yeah, shake it up. Uh, mm. Shake and bake. Um, wake and bake. Woo! Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. Um, that kind of gives our little uh, intro on how to run big events. If you have any questions or comments about this, feel free to email us or at rpprpodcast at gmail.com or post on our uh, forums. We are both. We like posts. Yes. Uh, uh, we have a very active message board community with uh, people talking about their stuff and their game. We can give you all kinds of advice. And uh, Oh, uh, I just added actually a bit of RPPR news. I've added uh, mobile uh, support for RPPR. There is a iPhone app and an Android app called Tapatalk. Uh, one word, ta- T-A-P-A, talk, um, that lets you view our message board uh, in a way that's very easy to, to read on an iPhone, on a smartphone. Hmm. Um, so it costs like 2 or $3. Um, I mean, it was free to, for me to set up on the forums. But, you know, if you want to use it, it's, it's only a few bucks to get. And uh, so you can be browsing our forums while you're at work, trying supposedly trying to be productive. Technology. Or, you know, commuting or whatever. So, uh, yeah, check that out. Technology has made wasting time so much easier. Yeah. So uh, when we come back, Tom will have a letter. I will. Uh, we will have some shout outs. Uh, and we got some anecdotes. anecdotes from uh, Fear of the Con. So we'll be right back. of a long shout out. I realize this isn't really my topic of choice, but I've been suffering a bit of no fucking motivation fever lately. It's been a while since I really found a topic that seems worth trying to write about, but luckily, a late night viewing of one of my favorite movies gave me some inspiration. That movie was The Fly, 
And the shout-out goes to the director, David Cronenberg. Now, why would I gain inspiration from one such as he? It's because one of the things he's known for is a type of genre called body horror. This genre is known for grotesque alterations to the human body through disease, decay, parasites, mutilation, or mutation. I have a long history with such movies, dating back all the way to the mid-1980s. I was living in Ozark at the time, and my step-grandparents liked to rent movies and had little regard for the age of the kids who watched them. So there I was, only six years old, watching David Cronenberg's 1986 remake of The Fly. Instead of being horrified, I was fascinated. Watching Jeff Goldblum slowly devolve into a monster was flat-out awesome. As I got older and could use my mother's rental card, I went out looking for similar movies. It was then that I really saw how far back the body horror thing went. I watched Matango from 1963, The Incredible Melting Man from 1977, Eraserhead from 1977, ah, the baby-feeding scene, and Altered States from 1980. After that, I was hooked. I made a point to check out every body horror movie that came out and give it the once-over. And as time has gone on, the movies have only gotten better. Recently, we've had Planet Terror, District 9, Splice, Black Swan, Slither, Cabin Fever, and The Human Centipede. I own all the ones that are currently out and plan to get the ones that are not as soon as they are available. But I will always admit that it had, had it not been for David Cronenberg, I would never have found the interest in body horror that I have now. I find the movies that he has directed to be among the best. The Fly, The Brood, Videodrome, and Scanners are some of the finest. I even love Nightbreed, where Cronenberg acted in the movie. His insane doctors were the creepiest thing in the movie, creepier than the monsters themselves. Thank you, David Cronenberg, for introducing me to the strange and fucked up. It was a good letter, Tom. Thank you. I uh, uh, thought I also appreciate body horror. Um, Cronenberg did a movie uh, before then. Um, takes place in a single apartment building or arcology. Uh, yeah, parasites that increase sexual desire. Oh, actually, oh, I know, I know, creepers or creepers, fe- creepers, yeah, or something like that. Uh, I really like where the shivers, mo- shivers. Yeah. It was the shivers. Yeah, shivers. Yeah, that was. Uh, a, I was. I, I've seen that one too. Yeah. So have I. I really enjoyed that. I, I thought that was an underappreciated well, man, Cronenberg I, film. Uh, but uh, I love love Cronenberg, man. And dude, he's a creepy ass actor too. Yeah. No, I I I'm not going to disagree with that. So. In fact, uh, looking at him, I saw a pic. I saw a picture from 2009. He still looks creepy. Of course. Of course. I like. I, it. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> Um, so anyways, of course, we now we have uh, shout-outs. Uh, first off, I'd like to give a shout-out. Uh, one to uh, RPVR fan listener, uh, username, then John was a zombie uh, on our forums. Uh, he was one of our players in Fear the Con. Uh, he was both in Road Trip and in one of the Wild Talent Zombies and other Caped Cannibals. And uh, he also introduced us to a great little card game called We Didn't Play Test This at All. Uh, from Asmati this, Games. I, I'm that this fucking game. This fucking game. It's a card game. 
that they obviously didn't play test at all. Um, and God bless them. The object too. of the game is to win, and you're and to not lose, and to not lose. You're playing until you lose or until you win, or and you until want someone to win. else wins. Uh, yeah, and you want to win. And the cards are ridiculous. Uh, there's no art on just text, but it's it can be played in one to ten minutes. Uh, and uh, boy, that's for two true. to ten players. Yeah, and it is. Very quick and very and fun. For two players, if it goes longer than sixty seconds, you're yeah, not playing. You really right. need to play like cards as fast as you get them. Um, so uh, I'll put a link up on their website. They have them. It's ten dollars apparently on their yeah, on the make little website. Make spaceship noises, Ross. Uh, pew pew pew. That's one of the cards actually. Spaceship. Uh, you can you put it down and you can draw two cards if you make spaceships. That sounds. So yeah, good and time. Ross got Ross got to make that noise. That yes. made him happy. And there's a zombies card, so it's a great game. Oh, it has zombies in it. And there's it has dinosaurs. Yeah, it has in dinosaurs it. in it, and uh, all kind and bombs and all kinds of fun. So stuff, hence, so. I Ross and I loved it. It's a great game. It's it's a great game that we'll play while we're waiting for people who are late to show up. Like I don't know, Jason. So uh, so we do this so we're not distracted. We end up making characters like we did in, in uh, Aaron's playtest. Yeah. That was that was a vict- that was a casualty of too much free time before the game started. Yeah, uh, if we, well, we had, didn't have that game, yeah, we didn't have that. But game. But if we had had that game, yeah, it might have gone differently. It might have gone differently. Um, and then you had one. yes, I have one shout out to a book called Operation Family Secrets. This is a book written by the son of a uh, Chicago mob boss who uh, yeah. basically was him describing his life in the mob and what made him turn evidence on his father. Okay. And uh, it's even more interesting that I think this guy never entered the witness protection program. Wow. And he is, says he's pretty sure that if his dad ever gets out, he'll come for him. That, yeah, uh, that would suck for him. That would definitely suck But yeah, for him. it's a really good read. I th- I th- and I'm not really, not, I, I, mean, I, like I kind of like the mob. It's interesting, but. Yeah. Um, well, organized crime is an interesting. I know we, I recent, I, in a previous episode, I gave one on Mick Mafia, which is talking about organized crime worldwide. Mm-hmm. Very interesting topic, very complex, very nuanced, very, uh, well, that one's a nuance, but, you know, very, very complex. Yes. Um, very fascinating. Well, these topic. things always, always are. Yeah. Uh, and finally, of course, uh, self shout out. Okay. Yeah. Zombies of the world. Oh, my God. I know. I'm going to keep mentioning this. Um, the book is coming out in June. <laughs> Uh, but pre-orders pre-orders are available now. Uh, if you go to our website, there or go to the website um, now. If you pre-order now, uh, you'll get free shipping, a PDF of the book when I get the PDF out, and a free survivor safety poster. It's eleven seven eleven by seventeen poster, full color. I'll, I'll I'll put it in with the book, and you can you can get both. And um, if you're an international comp- customer, uh, send send an email to zombie.studies uh, at gmail.com so I can figure out international shipping to you. I'm still setting up the store and everything. Uh, but yeah, uh, if you're if you're a big fan of zombie, you can see previews of the pages of what I'm working on of, of what is out there, of the book itself. Uh, it's a lot sixty full color illustrations. You know, uh, quite a bit of writing about zombies. Uh, it's a good. It's a I've good had a book. chance to read it. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, so uh, just go to the website. And I'll have more there. Uh, in, in April, uh, Tom and I are going to be starting up the blog for Zombies of the World, really focusing on that. Uh, uh, we're going to have a advice column uh, written by a ghoul, a uh, yeah. New England ghoul, one of the intelligent species of zombies. See, you didn't even know there are intelligent zombies. There are. And uh, some of you, them are even were... peaceful. Yeah. And you know they don't kill you. They just eat corpses. Yeah, you know, they don't. They don't kill the people. They just wait for them to die. And and imagine how much. Imagine if they actually we actually employed those. Yeah. We could you know the you know the safety we could add you know, san, you know sanitation for getting rid of corpses. Right. Plus you know with their centuries of knowledge and experience, I mean you're getting a bargain. Yeah. 
I mean, highly skilled employee. So I, I say, yeah, I say the uh, the, so- the society where zombies are accepted and utilized yeah. will be a society you and I will want to live in. Exactly. Um, to for a better future. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, that, uh, actually, I do have one other thing. Uh, the music scene, a uh, new album from the DJ Blockhead, uh, or just Blockhead. Um, it's great music. I've been listening to it. It's great music to chillax. Uh, it's trip hop. Uh, I think it's the best album yet. Um, I'll put a link to the album uh, and also one of the music scene, the the scene for the title song, the music scene, which is great. The music video is like, it's like you're tripping already. It's this crazy surreal animation. Um, you are tripping. I know. So uh, yeah, if you like trip hop, if you like good, you know, uh, Ross, you music. know that you're already lost when you watch that. It is Videodrome. Oh fuck! All hail the new flesh. Oh sh- damn it! Oh man! Oh well, uh, at least it was for two good songs. Exactly. Um, so finally, uh, anecdotes. We have uh, we have them. So Tom, we do. do you want to start us off? I will. Yeah. I uh, played in some games at Fear the Con. I was in one of Ross's zombie games, but the one that I happened across that I was so happy had an open spot was a, someone ran a Rifts game there, and. Yeah, I know. I know. You've my last letter was pretty specific on what I thought of the Rift system, but it was this was not me running it. But to me, you to, don't know how to quit it. Why can't I quit? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I. It, but it seemed like it was a bug hunt. That was actually the name of the scenario was bug hunt. So in Rifts, that was, of course the uh, Zidix or whatever the hell they're called. The not Zerg. The not Zerg. Yes. Yes. And we were, like, the campaign, we woke up already, like, resin to the walls in one of their nests, which would have been crazy enough. However, the guy that ran it, I don't know if he uh, just didn't have time to prepare, but he, apparently, I don't think he actually, he didn't have time to make the the pre-gen characters, so he copied NPCs out of the various books. And when I say he copied them, he didn't just copy appropriate ones. I, for instance, was playing Coalition General Ross Underhill, <laughs> who somehow was in this armored convoy in the field, completely unarmored, by the way. I woke up Resident Evil in my uniform. But it was only so, of course, and they were, there was like a Cyber Knight, and there was a, uh, well, something else, but... <laughs> Doesn't matter, it's Rifts. Yeah, it's Rifts. It was a hobo. Yeah, vagabond. Vagabond. I'm sorry. A yeah. Vagabond. So we were stuck in a stuck in a hive, with I yet somehow I had a flamethrower and a laser rifle taped together, with a grenade launcher because I'm because I'm a general. Right. <laughs> but no armor. So this a single hit of anything would have instantly killed me. <laughs> nice. So there we were. So we were going through, and apparently there were mission parameters that. I was apparently the mission commander, but I didn't know about. Yeah. Because you know, we came, like, one point, we came across someone who was stuck to the wall saying, General, says, we lost the hot potato. Like, and I, as General Ross, had under all this stuff. Uh, what is the hot potato, by the way? Yeah. He says, well, you don't know. Like, Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> but the biggest, I mean, the biggest shit is, I mean. I, I'm, I'm level 14, bitches. Yeah, I was actually a level 10 character. Oh, okay. Who, uh, like, I'm a level 10 trained uh, Super Samus pilot. Yeah. I never got to use one. Yeah, of course not. That would that would be ridiculous, Tom. Exactly. Such a power. But, game. yeah, at one point, we actually come across a room that has equipment that's been resined, you know, to the wall. Yeah. So there's a suit of dead boy armor. Yeah. That, uh, to get it out, I carefully remove it while melting the resin with my flamethrower. Right. 
Because it's an SDC flamethrower. Are you? No, it's an MDC. So wouldn't have it damaged the armor? To an extent, but yeah. the resin was MDC as well. Oh. And I had that on. I was walking around with half melted armor the whole time. <laughs> and let's. And apparently, the bomb was like this mystical, mystically empowered uh, nuclear warhead, which the coalition would never ever use. Yeah, no, they. I mean, they would use a nuclear warhead, yeah. but not a mystically empowered. They one. wouldn't know how to make one. I no, mean, they wouldn't. Apparently, it was a rift closer. Was it? But you know, they could. I apparently I knew nothing of the mission. I didn't know how. I wasn't. Was I supposed to get the bomb into the portal? Or was it supposed to explode next to the portal? Or I don't know. And of course, you know, I'm. I, I sense that I sense how serious this is. So I'm playing Ross you know, Underhill as, you know, loyal to the coalition to the point. I will is st- I will start actively threatening the other players because they have you know pro pro non-human sentiments. Right. So they all left me, and of course I go out in this blaze of nuclear fire. Right. But the thing that got me the most was I I was looking on his sheet. General Ross Underhill. This is a of a four-star general. Yeah. Is illiterate. <laughs> well, that's that's not the GM's fault, though. I mean, no, I, it's not. But it's, this is just I'm talking. This is the game riffs. in general. It's oh, riffs. Oh, riffs, Chan. And I'm like, I'm sorry. No, I know they don't encourage education, but you do not get to the rank of a command general. Yeah. And not be able to read. Out of all the things to criticize riffs, Tom, you chose that. I think that's a pretty damn valid one. <laughs> okay. But uh, no, I could go in. To, I could explain how the game went, but why? Right. You know it's Rifts. You know how it went. Okay, it was a Rifts con game. Right. That should be all you need to know. <laughs> the uh... fact that actually, uh, okay, well, I'll say one thing I did do that makes me think Rifts is stupid. You know, like Ross, Under- Ross Underhill has an MA of like 23. Yeah. Because he's like a really charismatic guy. Yeah. Which is trust and intimidate. Yeah, I actually intimidated uh, one of the one of the bugs to flee from us. <laughs> you just made your percentile check, and that was yeah, that, that was wow. it. I did that like it's like it's like you like stop it now in the name of the coalition. Like <laughs> I have to give your GM a point for that because that's fucking awesome. That's great. I love it. He says, uh, "Okay, well, make an intimidate roll." I made it like he flees. <laughs> that's great. It's like no. No, bad bug, bad alien, bad DB. You know, you don't do that. She just had a spray bottle of water. I mean, treated <laughs> or, them all like cats. Like, oh, God damn it, stop, stop tearing up the planet. Or a rolled up newspaper. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no spray. I'm, bottle. I'm, well, a rolled up mega damage newspaper. Yeah, mega damage. <laughs> what am I thinking? Yeah, uh, but it's vibro newspaper. Once again, <laughs> once again, the rift setting is really awesome, but the system is just crap. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I actually I've got a little work worked up over that, Ross. Why don't you jump yeah. in here? You also did have the divine fire thing too. Somebody actually ran it. Oh yeah, I, yeah. I did. A, well, let me talk. Yeah, about you do yours here. first. And- um, I ran road trip, which was great, and I'll just post the AP for that, so I don't need to talk about that. Uh, it wasn't a very noisy place. The whole con was pretty noisy, but you know what are you gonna do? Actually, well, particularly that? that game I I said in the last twenty minutes of. Yeah. It was downstairs. Yeah. So everyone is really compressed together. Yeah, yeah, and that, so was road trip. But anyways, to the two wild talents games I had. Uh, Zombies and other Cape Cannibal. I will be running, I'm going to be updating it and running at Gen Con, by the way. I have like two or three sessions of it. So, uh, those of the people going to Gen Con, keep an eye out for that. Eh. Uh, anyways, I gave each person a normal citizen that had been kidnapped and given one superpower by an evil 
Bioweapons Corporation. The Umbrella Corporation. Yeah, ba- yeah not Umbrella. Uh, <laughs> the Umbrella knockoff. The generic Umbrella. It, I could go on. Anyways, they also made zombies as a bioweapon. And guess what? They got loose. And guess what? They infected all the superheroes and supervillains of the city. And guess uh, what? It's up to you guys to it's, save the day. Yeah. Um, the pregens had a lot of fun with. There's a grandmother who smoked Virginia Slims and had pyrokinesis. Uh, the first game, uh, she was only playing the first game the because uh, they had a full six players. Uh, second game, there were only five players, and she was the one that was not taken, uh, the pregen not taken. Um, and so the player in the first one uh, was great. I think his name was Jeremiah, uh, the player. And he said, oh, well, he did a great job role-playing her. Uh, it's like, oh, my little kitties. Uh, oh, I miss my kitties, so I'm going to make fire kitties. <laughs> Go get them, Mitzi! You know, to attack the, the zombies. I'm like, all right, great. They cave out the head, and you, your fire kitty nests in the in the empty purring. skull. Yeah, purring. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how a fire manifestation of a kitten can purr, but it does. Um, then there's we, a gym. Uh, we don't take kindly to logic in these yeah, parts. Yeah, exactly. There was a gym teacher with elasticity, plastic man style. Um, so you bank know, executive with uh, uh, mimic power, powers. mimic um, waitress with invulnerability, uh, a hipster with time manipulation powers. I gave one of his passions his irony. Um, so uh, in the first game, the grandmother had her arm cut off. Um, so the, uh, by an infected Wolverine type, uh, with claws and he wrote like seven damage to the arms so of arm gone. Um, she made her check and cauterized her wound with her pyrokinesis or cigarette, basically, uh, her entire <laughs> arm stump because again, pyrokinesis, uh, but the hipster kept the arm and later on they were going up the side of a building and, uh, using the gym teacher as a window washer platform kind of thing, just squeaking up there. And um, what the hipster did uh, was, you know, some office worker broke a window and grabbed onto it trying to escape, you know, from the zombie office workers. And hipster beat him off with the uh, grandmother's Big severed arms. Arm. Uh, and he said, no, I'm giving him a hand. So <laughs> I gave him a point of willpower for that. And um, so the first group, they were very late. Like, they saved the lab technician, found out what was going on, got all the exposition. You guys, you ignored the lab technician as soon as you woke up and just went off and did your own fucking thing. Yes, we did. Um, you know, they took the elevator. You took the stairs. They ran away from the alien warrior that was Subject Zero, the source of the alien infection. You decided to fight it and all get infected. Um, it was uh, it was uh, interesting to see how the exact same scenario can play out in very different ways with uh, different groups. So, yeah, depending on the jackass level of the players. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I'm going to revamp it, add some more stuff to it, and make it a little more fleshed out. Uh, half fleshed out, um, but uh-huh. it, it was it was a great game, and I look forward to uh, running it for this group. I'll post the. I'll probably what I'll do is record it for this group and post that because I'm not going to post like three versions of the same thing. Because um, uh, except for the ransoms, I, I mean I have all of them, but you know I've got like six games of night sh- of night mall. I mm. still haven't posted because you know there's six things the same one so right um but yeah uh give us some thoughts if you'd like to maybe we could do some mini ransoms if you want to listen to these con games i could do a big collection of them and uh, maybe uh, i don't know if you're if you're an ap fan uh let us know if you'd like to hear all these uh, uh games i haven't posted yet uh these con games particularly and uh we'll, we'll i'll look into that but i think that kind of wraps oh uh, finally your divine fire thing yeah, yeah. The divine, I, yeah i got to actually play in someone running a version of divine fire um yeah of course it was a con game you know, we first of all we did not get done in the four in the time yeah uh they actually the fear of the boot people mentioned this is a reoccurring thing and i think you know our next episode should be about running con games or something because 
I've never had a con game that I've run go over. I've always finished them on time. I mean, if anything, I tend to run them a little quicker than usual. Like look, a two yeah, and a half you kind of have to. Well, I mean, I finish them like two to three hours usually, which is a little, you know, but I, I explain the rules. Yeah, two and a half hours, three hours is my average. Yeah. So, but I've well, never gone over. We I mean, went four hours and we weren't done. In fact, yeah. he said we're, we probably, he says we were about still about only two thirds into the scenario. Damn. But I mean, I do admit. I mean, it was like it was uh, six players. Yeah. And uh, all of us. I mean, we were we were we were trying to uh, you know get along. There were a few points I had to meta game just to move things along because I I wrote the scenario. (laughs) I know what's going on. (laughs) Spoiler alert. I mean, I thought he he did a pretty good job. I would just I get I would. He had to move on to something else. I wish I could have. I got his email or something. Yeah, actually, if you are the author, if you are the guy who ran, uh, I think his name was David something. Um, uh, on the if you're the uh, the fear the con GM who ran that game, please get in contact with us so we can talk to you about this. Yeah, because I'd I'd love to hear how he designed uh, yeah, it. Yeah, because there are some questions that like, you know, first of all, he didn't have the ghoul in there. Yeah, which puzzled me. Yeah, because you 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 explained on the way back that that was the main source of exposition. Yeah, uh, or yeah, information of what's going on. Right. Exposition. And because, uh, you know, Dr. Kempfer was a little, you know, the scientist, he was a little too crazy to reveal too much. Yeah. But, you know, that's what the ghoul was for. And he and he told me, like, I didn't like the ghoul. Right. Well, but the, the problem was the doctor was still as crazy, so... Right, so the players were fucked. Yeah, they couldn't get any of the information they needed. Right. And they're like... I've had an idea. Oh, it's probably Azathoth as a nuclear reactor. Let's do this. Well, he didn't. He wouldn't even use that. He made it his own thing. Ah, okay, interesting. But you know, and um, see, so yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, hear what or, how uh, he modified it. Yeah, or you know, the uh, the lieutenant who was in the mess hall. Yeah, wasn't really all that mutated. Yeah, that was always a good. That was always a highlight of your scenario was that initial reaction with the crazy guy in the mess hall, because um, that always went bad, very bad. Yes, I mean. Yeah. I mean, he got a lot of a lot of other stuff done. Uh, I mean, he got a lot of that lot of that stuff really well. Yeah. And uh, also, uh, but and Private Kohler practically did nothing. And yeah. they found him. He was too tight. It was you know trying not to go to you know trying not to pass out, which is true. But then he just fell asleep, and that was the end of him. Too bad. Too yeah, bad. it's. I think it was a. I don't know if he had ever run it before. I think I. I don't know if he was tired or not. Right. I know that's why he didn't. Uh, he was using diff- earlier versions of the characters. Right. Were you guys uh, still prisoners, or were you? Oh yeah, yeah. De- we definitely agreed that it was much better with prisoners. Yeah. Because then I, you have freedom. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ironically, uh, more freedom than uh, soldiers would have. And the and the beginning us also. Uh, just I have you know just critiques I really wanted to give him, but he had to move on. Yeah. You know another one is like you know there was. Like when the trucks arrived, they're supposed to be, you know, that you hear, you know, people get out, there are voices. Yeah. And then suddenly something just starts attacking them and there's sounds of chaos and the trucks right, start right. shaking. And that's, it was just silence. Nothing shook. Yeah. Cause then the players aren't cued into what's going on. No, but then uh, they said, you look in. at, you know, yeah. they say, how long? And then he says, he asks, how long do you wait? Yeah. So he's like, uh, well, I thought logically about 30 minutes. Okay, 30 minutes, nothing's happened. Okay. So we look, we finally look outside and we see that the guys in the truck behind us are dead, but there was no sound. Yeah. And as the creatures that were running around were not stealthy. Mm, yeah, that's that's inconsistent. Um, yeah, I would love to hear his his, his process because um, I haven't heard of anybody like, I mean, occasionally people have mentioned, oh, I've run your uh, version of this scenario mm-hmm. from listening to the actual play. 
And for a lot of those, there are going to be scenarios that I've never written out, you know, like the Slender Man or Candle Cove or whatever. And I'd love to hear how they take the actual play and turn it into a scenario for their own group because I only ran through one set of possible things. So how do they cover the other eventualities? But um, And actually, I've heard there are some people that have said they have done yeah. versions of Divine Fire. And, yeah, yeah. And, uh, of course, they told me, like, you know, so they, you know they, they didn't bother with the ghoul or, you know, this yeah. happened. You know, they gunned down, they gunned down the lieutenant immediately. And, yeah. Probably. But it's, Why is I was just wondering, what, you know, I know he said, I didn't like the ghoul. Like, well... I want to tell him, like, in that case, you kind of have to make the doctor a little less crazy. Right. Because someone has to deliver the information. Yeah, they have, or leave documents that, mm-hmm. that they can translate or that they can read, you know, something in a language they can read. Um, because, yeah, otherwise they're kind of fucked uh, not knowing what's going on. So, all right, interesting. Um, yeah, so if you have any thoughts about that, that post on our forums. Uh, let us know about it or email us or tweet us. Uh, or whatever. We are all over the internet. Well, I am. I don't know about you, Tom. I'm I'm all over too. Oh, okay. Uh, all right. Well, I guess that wraps up about uh, this episode. Oh, um, so next episode, I think I think we will probably talk about con games. That sounds like a good thing. Or at yeah. least running games on time. I mean, really, how can you not do a con game in four hours? I mean, you have four hours. I mean, we get so much shit done in a four hour. In game, fact, three Aaron, yeah. his very first con game ever, got yeah. it done in practically about three hours ten minutes. Yeah, exactly. You could just. Keep on moving, you know. Um, I got mine done in about th- in about just a little less than three hours. Yeah. So yeah, I cannot believe that you cannot do this. So we'll talk. About, and I think in a lot of general, a lot of games are too slow. People can speed them up, make them more efficient, because that's what it, uh, gaming's about: efficiency. You know? Yes. <laughs> efficiency, uh, efficiency, and morality. Exactly. Um, so, anyways, yeah, um, and maybe some other stuff in the next episode. But, anyways, uh, this has been uh, Ross Payne here with and Ro- I'm Tom and Tom Church, and we've uh, uh, Role Playing Public Radio episode fifty four uh, one for the record books. See you guys next time.